0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: The automated commercial environment is an old system operated by Customs and Border Protection. It supports the movement and fees collection of ship cargo moving in and out of the United States. It might be old, but CBP has updated this system several times over the decades. Now, using a chunk of money from the Technology Modernization Fund, CBP has overhauled a crucial module in the automated commercial environment. We get the details from the executive director of CBP's Trade Transformation Office, James Byram. Mr. Byram, good to have you with us. Thank you. Good morning. And just briefly review the genealogy this system ace it was called something different but it does go back it has a lineage that's pretty old in in the annals of federal computing doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah it does. Trade processing within US Customs Service now Customs and Border Protection actually originated in an automated fashion back in the mid 1980s under the name of the automated commercial system. Back in the early 2000s, CBP took it upon itself to modernize those processes. And that turned into what is now known as the automated commercial environment, sometimes also referred to as the single window, because we do interface with 49 other federal agencies now.
1: Right. And I mentioned at the top that it supports shipping in and out, but uh, maybe give us a little bit more detail on precisely what it does.
2: Sure. Just to understand the the scope of of ACE, just consider the the scale of trade that goes in and out of the United States. So all of this is being processed through ACE on on a daily basis. In fiscal year 22, there were 372 million cargo entries, 21 million export shipments that were processed through through ACE this past fiscal year. The value of those imports totaled $3.4 trillion, and exports totaled about $2.1 trillion. And all of that activity generated over $114 billion in duties, taxes, and fees for the the U.S. federal government. So on a typical day, CBP processes through ACE $9.32 billion worth of imported goods. Over 108,000 entries come in through our air, land, and seaports. And about $312 million in duties, taxes, and other fees are collected. And more than 91,000 truck, rail, and seat containers are processed each day all through the the ACE system.
1: Yeah, all you have to do is take a cruise ship out of Fort Lauderdale to get some sense of the extent of just one port and how much stuff comes in and out when you see those stacked up containers. And ACE over the years has moved the transactions further and further out such that when a ship actually arrives, a lot of it has been completed and it speeds up the volume. Is that a fair way to put it?
2: Yes. With, with the modernization that we've done over the, the past few years, the pre-arrival processes, so the, the manifesting of the cargo across multiple modes of transportation, so whether it's air, ocean, rail, truck, there are guidelines and requirements that that industry has to follow with regard to um, the reporting requirements for, for the data they have to submit to CBP and and the other 49 federal agencies that oversee trade within the United States. Uh, and so with some of these enhanced processes, modernized processes that, that we've rolled out over the past few years, it does allow for the, the pre-arrival data to, to get to CBP and those other government agencies well before cargo arrives. It gives them an opportunity to screen it. And make some informed decisions around risk management and enforcement.
1: And as the Trade Transformation Office Executive Director, are you mainly on the technical side or on the policy program operation side?
2: My office kind of uh, has a foot in both camps. My team work hand-in-hand with the technical teams to develop enhancements or maintain the the current ACE system, but then we also liaise between the the business side as well to gather requirements uh, and ensure that those requirements are met by the, the technical side.
1: Yeah, this is a big part of CBP, isn't it? And this is pretty mission critical, as well as having huge financial import.
2: Exactly. The system itself is there to help not only collect data and we provide the data to the the other government agencies for, for many different reasons, not just enforcement, but also for statistics. And within CBP, the modernization of those processes help to to execute and advance the, the trade mission within the federal government.
1: We're speaking with James Byram. He's executive director of the Trade Transformation Office at Customs and Border Protection. Tell us about the TMF money and what you've done with it. To update one part of the ACE, tell us what this part actually does.
2: A couple of years ago, back in FY20, we actually applied for TMF money. And the purpose of that, so the ACE program, as well as other CBP initiatives, so we receive appropriated funds annually to address projected development and operational needs for, for each of those programs. ACE is not unique in that, that area. In cases where additional funding is needed, and depending on the type of the project, We've got various avenues to explore to secure the, the needed funds in any given fiscal year. And the Technology Modernization Fund, or TMF, was one such avenue that we um, took a chance on and applied for some, some funding. We had an area within ACE, within the cargo processing, it's the collections process, the, the process that actually collects and reports on the, the duties, taxes, and fees for for CBP. That was in need of, of modernization. Up until that time, it existed on the legacy mainframe. Um, It was not part of the the modernized infrastructure. We had started that effort back in 2018. We didn't have the the funding on hand to be able to complete the the project. So we went to the TMF and were able to or got approved for a $15 million short-term loan. And that came in two tranches. So we got a portion of it in fiscal year 20 and the, the last portion of it in fiscal year 21. And that funding was used to support the 4th, 5th, and 6th releases of our our collections effort. There's a total of seven releases. So the first three releases we had the funding for, the middle three we did not have the funding for. And through the budgetary process, we were able to align funding for the the seventh release.
1: All right. So now these releases are finished. And what is the difference? How do they work now versus how they work? Maybe I hear a little cloud coming on here.
2: Exactly. So all new development that that we're doing on on the ACE environment and and even some of the, the legacy processes have been transitioned over to a cloud environment but all new new development is happening in the cloud that allows us to to do a, a few things it gives us better ability to to scale whenever we have to scale up for for more processing or scale down because activity is is low and it's also been a big contributor to reducing latency, of processing trade and collections data.
1: And when you collect these funds, these duties, taxes and fees, it's often, I think I'm correct here, from foreign owned and foreign operated ships and uh, cargo handlers. So there's an international aspect of funds collection to all of this.
2: A bit. Most of the, the duties are paid by, by the importer and Most of those importers are here domestically. So really, it's the U.S. is paying those duties. It's not the foreign manufacturer or the producer of those goods or the exporter necessarily from another country that's actually paying those duties. Uh, Some of the fees that are collected are related to the carriers. So potentially, those carriers are foreign and they're they're exporting from their country and being imported into the U.S. And there's some fee collection there. But primarily, the duties are are domestically paid.
1: But it sounds like a pretty complex set of logic that is operating here because you have on a given ship, there could be, I don't know, 100 different importers and manufacturers. I mean, all those containers have something different from a different source in them. And you've got the different ships. And so there's a lot of back and forth from overland and to sea passing through the, the ACE and the collection module.
2: Yes, there there is. There's many different parties involved in a particular transaction. You have the importer, you have the carrier who's transporting the cargo. Because there are duties, taxes, and fees involved, and and some of those, uh, most of the time, they're not paid up front, they're usually paid after the fact. And because of that, there's kind of a a surety that's involved, a bond involved, so that if duties, taxes, and fees are not paid on time, CBP has a way to get the money. So there's sureties involved, there's licensed customs brokers involved because they do most of the filing on behalf of importers. There's software vendors, service providers they provide automation to to industry to interact and transact with with CBP systems so there's many different actors and there's tons of data that, that we collect there's tons of reference data that we use to to validate data and, and verify the that the parties are, are legitimate and that the data is accurate that's being submitted
1: so therefore the modernization work has to really take into account what is going to be facing all of those multiple parties. When they finally when you finally reach the point that you've deployed it
2: right so so modernization is is not just um, focused on on CBP when it's modernizing its systems. those who interact with the system also have to make changes so industry is having to make changes to their systems in response to our changes partner government agencies that are part of the overall trade process they have to modernize their systems or, or enhance their systems in response to ours as well so it's it's very orchestrated, very coordinated lot of collaboration with industry other government agencies and CBP to pull this thing off
1: and if you could just briefly and we'll wind up here is maybe describe the technical environment now that that you have
2: right everything new is is uh, developed and hosted on the on the cloud uh, CBP is also I would wouldn't say in the middle we're kind of Closer towards the end than we are to the middle of uh, migrating all their systems to, to a cloud-based environment. ACE is one of those. So ACE kind of as a system has been around since the early 2000s. So there's a, still some legacy infrastructure there that, that needs to be migrated. Those processes migrated over to, to the cloud. But the majority is is cloud-based. And the development that we're doing, we're using an agile development process. We've been doing that on ACE since 2012 was was when we had started that and and started making huge advancements and being able to to roll product out
1: so you would so characterize f- this as a TMF success story
2: oh definitely definitely in sessions with uh, the TMF, working group and then quarterly sessions with the TMF board. Great feedback from from those groups on on our efforts. So we we were able to successfully use the funding that we received and produce exactly what we expected to produce with with that funding.
1: James Byram is Executive Director of the Trade Transformation Office at Customs and Border Protection. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me, Tom. And we'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. the Federal Drive On Demand, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org/get-involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane. It's almost immeasurable the things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life I was uh, interacting and around um, usually, usually young people, but also adults with disabilities and so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit. You know, they they basically were in direct care, and and I will say, you know, and on I obviously will say about my my family, my mother, and my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but uh, the the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are are really, um, you know, we we can't do enough to salute them. I I Tim Triver, my boss the chairman uh says all the time and I couldn't agree with him more um uh, we get more than we give uh working the special olympics and you know we and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do but but we're the lucky ones we, those of us that work here are the lucky ones cuz I